What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is in, in Liberty and Health. Jesus Christ, I can't even fucking talk. Uh, episode 32, I got Mr. Taylor Shiring with me. Um, we actually went to high school together. Um, I know we talked a few times, but uh, I didn't realize he was a uh, libertarian much like myself. And now we've kind of fortunately crossed paths. So uh, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm good, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to be on. It's, it's funny. Uh, our high school has, you know, two two representatives on the online libertarian sphere. I don't know if any other high school has that claim. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, I, a- I don't know either. I am. Um, my brother is a libertarian, but he's not quite, um, you know, putting himself out there quite as much as I am other than just kind of starting dumpster fires on Facebook. But I think that's what most libertarians do anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got away from that a while ago. I, 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 I pretty much moved all of my, uh, my fire branding to Twitter. And I even slowed that down. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, it's too much anymore. So it's just, yeah. So uh, as with, with age, I, I look for fights less. Yeah. You know, I, I avoided it for a long time, but definitely over the last, I think everybody kind of realizes that with Trump, it, it kind of came that politics was so much in your face that you just couldn't fucking avoid it anymore. And um, at first I liked Trump, but then as his presidency played out, I learned more and more and I became more of a principled libertarian. I always considered myself a libertarian, but I got more into it and I realized that he just wasn't the guy. And every time there was opportunity for him to do something great, he absolutely failed and he dropped the ball. And 2020 was like the major, you know, like ball dropped on that one. And I've, I've been saying it for a while and I'm sure it pisses some people off, but I really don't care. Um, it exposed a lot of Republicans for just being closet socialists and, you know, kind of just showed how insane the left is, which I mean, everybody already knew. But like literally I had coworkers who were boomer cons because I work in dealers literally saying, oh, well, people really need the money. I'm like, well, this is what Democrats say for people on welfare. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, it's uh, it's funny because I kind of had almost the opposite reaction in terms of like my my thinking on Trump as you mm-hmm. did because in 2016 I was like I was like yeah this guy's like an outsider it's gonna be it's gonna be cool it's gonna be funny but like what's really gonna happen to American politics is it just gonna go back to normal are we gonna go back to neocon republicans and just like like just boring democrats and actually the more the longer trump's presidency went the more i liked him because it exposed these people for what they were it it either it showed that neocons are closeted trotskyite leftists 
and it showed that the Dems are willing to even sell out their own principles just to win. So, I mean, I, so it's, I don't exact, I'm, I'm on like Tho Bishop's side of this, where it's just like Trump exposed the right people. And he did move in turn in some ways towards a more, uh, towards a better strategy for the Republican party going forward. And that's where, that's where I really, really valued just the whole Trump presidency and movement in general. Um, I, I definitely subscribe to like the right wing populism, uh, like uh, 90s Rothbard strategy for the right. Um, that's a great article. If, if people haven't read it, it's, it's one of my favorites of all time. Um, just, a, just a program for libertarians to work with the real right uh, in American politics, just to move the needle not not to say take over the Republican Party because libertarians could never take over the Republican Party, but they can move the needle enough to make a sound political society. If you live in a democracy, you have to work with democracy. Okay, yeah. So, so this is. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, and that's that's pretty much like me being you know me being a hoppy and saying that like well when when the democracy must be used, people are just like oh well didn't Hopper write the book Democracy: The God That Failed? And it's mm-hmm. just like yes. He did write that book, but he also wrote, he wrote a speech and gave it called What Must Be Done and How to Use Democracy to Come Towards a More Libertarian Order by Essentially Weaponizing Local Politics and Nullifying the Federal Regime. So, I mean, yeah, uh, uh, like I said, with Trump, it moved the, a lot of libertarians in a direction where they were apologizing for too much for Trump, and I saw that. Or it moved a lot of the libertarians that I knew were going to be too critical of him because essentially they're just regime libertarians who want everything to be normal and then they just want their taxes a little lower. They re- the, the Cato types, the, mm-hmm. the, the Beltway, the regime libertarians that want their, they want their seat at the table. Yeah. And Trump, Trump really had libertarians choosing either. And I like a lot of the LPMC guys. I was in the, I was in the libertarian party for about six months because uh, recently because of my admiration for what heist and all those guys are doing and i met heist um i i met uh, a guy named uh, i i even forget his real name all the time but uh, he goes by auto dassing on facebook he's a dude from baltimore he's one yeah. of the big he's one of the bigger lpmc guys great people i love what they're doing i think it's a failed strategy but i love what they're doing and i love their idea on using local politics like in hop is what must be done just to get libertarians elected i just think that it it might be a project that might fail just because of the the barriers to entry that come with party politics especially in the u.s yeah and you know that's completely understandable criticism um and i haven't necessarily fell on either side i definitely have a bias towards the LPMC because I've been a libertarian for so long. And this is going to sound so ridiculous, but like years ago, because I kind of came into this from like Stefan Molyneux, right? And yeah. that was like my definition of a libertarian. And he's, I don't want to say like a right wing populist, but he's definitely more like the social conservative kind of libertarian. And that's definitely more my kind of group of people. So when I kind of thought libertarian, that's who I thought. I thought him. I thought Eric July. 
um, Larry Sharp, guys who are like solid libertarians. And then I kept seeing people talk about like these left libertarians. I'm like, who the fuck are you talking about? Everybody I know is like solid on all these issues. And then when I finally started getting into the Libertarian Party and I went to uh, our state convention here in Pennsylvania, it finally clicked. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. okay, all right, now I understand. And the worst part is, is that they're not popular with anybody. Nobody no. likes those people. And they get used as like the straw man against libertarianism. You know what I mean? Like all these prominent people who are prominent voices point to them and say, that's libertarianism. But you and I know it's not that. You and I think Tom Woods, Dave Smith, Maj Ture, um, people who are good on everything. That's yeah. what we think of when we think libertarian. But they take these caricatures of just pretty much Democrats that just want lower taxes. And they say, oh, the, that's all libertarians. So libertarianism has failed by my right-wing book, um, Trump's the Greatest. And I, I don't mean to kind of sound the alarm there, but it, my point is, is that I, I see why people are more biased towards the GOP route. And I definitely, especially after talking to Tho Bishop, um, I'm definitely a lot more sympathetic that way. And I see a lot more merit I, than I did about a few years ago. But yeah. um I also see why people say the libertarian approach is a failed approach. Well, but I just, uh, yeah, it's a, uh, well, uh, just to Jeff, Jeff Dice has a great line on the, the libertarians that you're talking about that show up to the PA state convention um, and essentially create, they don't, what they, they don't waive that membership thing or whatever happened. I, I was yeah. there. I was actually, I wasn't there to vote, but I came to the, the thing afterwards, the, the whatever event it was at that hotel. Oh, the where, Take Human Action Bash. Yeah, the Take Human Action Bash. That was really fun. Um, actually, that was, a, that was a great time. Uh, but Jeff Dice has a line where these are libertarians that want progressive ends using libertarian means. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what they are. And that's a, that's a real fundamental worldview difference. Mm -hmm. And that's these people talk about privatization and they but they view the world and where how it should look completely differently than the libertarians who you spoke of before like the good one of uh, our, our quote-unquote good ones and i would agree that they are they are great ones they're some of the best that we have but that's something that we're really going to have to grapple with in the future and it's something that rothbard had to grapple with and whenever he left the lp he was one of the founding members and it was one of the things why he got kicked out of cato he realized that these people weren't, they, they, they might agree on economic theory. They might agree on, you know, the, even the, the state being an institution that cannot be salvaged, but what they want to see out of the world is completely different than, than most libertarians we know want to see. And that's really where it's a real, that's, that's, I, I harp on culture all the time, but that's a real mm -hmm. cultural difference between libertarians that <laughs> I hate to say libertarianism solves it. A private law society solves it because I mean, if you want to go after the, the covenant community model that Rothbard and Hoppe came up with um, where essentially it's just voluntary communities with a system of governance that they all agree upon mm -hmm. now uh, not states not many states like those those regime libertarians will say about uh, hoppa and rothbard's you know 
societal model that they came up with, but like, it's just people can live wherever they want to. And their cultural differences will essentially be hashed out and where they choose to live and where they choose to voluntarily associate, voluntarily associate. But in today's political climate and American culture, you can't be on the same side as people who want a completely different world than you, even if you might agree on economics and the state. That's why, I mean, you see guys like Tho Bishop, who is in a full-on Rothbardian ANCAP, getting along with people who love Ron DeSantis more than people who love Gary Johnson. It's very, very, I mean, it's, it's just that simple. Gary Johnson was much more of a libertarian than Ron DeSantis was. But whenever it comes to the real, where you can make real headway in terms of getting somewhere where you can turn the, the American right into a Rothbardian right, not in just terms of like, you know, anarchism or, you know, uh, Austrian economics, but like a real populist anti, anti-regime pro-freedom, liberty, right wing. You won't get all of what you want, but it'll be a hell of a lot closer than whatever uh, a lot of people in the LP want. Right. And most of the time, I mean, these, these, the, the Nick Sarwarks of the world, they don't care about, about political gains. They don't care about using power in a just way whenever they gain it in that party. They just want a social club where they're the cool guys and they have a voice that matters because most of them didn't have a voice that mattered anywhere else in their, in their lives. And you see their online identities are essentially all that they are. And I see you tweet all the time about like, if your only identity is a libertarian, get your shit together Mm -hmm. because I've been in this for a while. You've been in this for a while. That is an alarming trait of someone. And that's usually whenever, and that's when, you know, everything that they do depends on how people are going to perceive it as, as them being a libertarian. That's a terribly toxic thing. Get another hobby. Your political, your, your, your political theory as to what you live, live, like want the world to look like should not be your number one thing that you talk about. Right. Won't get anywhere in that way. And yeah. even in terms of getting to that strategy, it won't get you anywhere. Yeah, and it's it's so it baffles me that people don't pick up on that because it's like you know you want people to be convinced by your ideas. Okay, well, how do you convince people of your ideas? You need to be a convincing person. This is why I'm a certified personal trainer. This is why I'm a mechanic. This is why I'm a musician. You see all these guitars behind me. You see these posters. There are shows I played. Um, you know, I plan to be a father soon. I'm a podcast host. I do all these different things because I want to be an interesting person and I want to be somebody that, you know, brings forth interesting ideas from different perspectives. And I want to offer more than just the fact that I can spit hot liberty fire, you know? There, there's yeah. more to life than that. And if that's all that you have, okay, let's say let's hit, you know, we reach Ancapistan, right? We all get to where we want to be. Okay, well, now if your only thing going for you in your life was politics, now what? You have nothing. You have nothing. Yeah. So, so I, I what mean, good are you? Where, where 
can you, you want to reach people, right? You're this, you're this big, you read all the books. You're a great libertarian. You focused on this for a long time. You went to Mises University or you worked at Cato for a while. I'll even grant you that. Um, and all you have is your ability to talk about politics. You will not reach people. Mm-hmm. If you cannot, if you cannot bond with people, just in, in, in many aspects of life, if, you, if your thin way of understanding the world is a thin legal philosophy, a libertarianism, then there's no way that you're going to get, you're going to help get to libertarianism. Mm-hmm. Like what you're doing, like you're training people, you're getting them physically fit and not just the link between people, you know, people that are really in shape and then they're moved towards more conservative right-wing libertarian ideologies. Because when you realize that you are responsible for yourself, that your politics should apply it that way. Uh, that, that's a whole other conversation, but yeah. like, but like if you are a beacon to people that you got your shit together, you're in shape, you're, you're playing shows in a band, like, which is also people think is really cool. And you're, uh, you know, you're making a little bit of money. You have a family, at least you got a girlfriend talking to you online libertarians. Um, like you will be a, like, if you take care of those four or five things, like that just make you a normal person. And then pe- people will want to listen to you whenever it comes to like politics or philosophy or anything like that. Whenever people regard you as somebody who has your shit together they will listen to what you think and respect you for it if you're just some if you're vermin supreme with a boot on his head people aren't going to listen to you about what politics you like like yeah i know i get the gimmick of like oh well he's making a mockery of politics by saying give everybody a free pony that doesn't make anybody take him more seriously it just makes people take the political system as less serious and right now, in 2021, post-COVID regime, you better believe that politics are serious, and you got to figure out how to influence it. Right. I mean, and, and so this is something that libertarians have really had a problem with, too. And you're definitely hitting this kind of a spot as well, talking about the, uh, you know, the populist approach. I, there's definitely issues in my mind with going the populist route, because it seemed like Trump did a great job of that. And he did do a great job of pissing off the right people and exposing the right people. The problem was, is he didn't know how to direct that in necessarily the most productive manner. And granted, I'm not saying anybody else would have done the right thing, but I think, I think Ron DeSantis would, except for the Israel stuff. Like that's like, well, that's, that's one thing I want him to stay in for. I want him to make Florida a different country. Like that, yes. like his. Okay, like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. yeah, this is the. I don't want him. I don't want. Uh, like I am split between. I want a great liberty Republican, like not even a liberty Republican, but just a guy who doesn't want me dead in office. And and like in Washington D.C., I want them to be to be the president. Like, or I want. Just a couple states where worst comes to worst, they have great governance. They they want you to live a free life. They want you to make money. They want you to raise your family. They don't want to turn your kids into into Stalin worshippers. 
like that's that's where I'm really divided, and that's where I might lean towards Hoppa's what must be done compared to Rothbard. I mean, Rothbard's right wing populism isn't isn't a centralized strategy either, but it's like a strategy for more decentralization. Right. So th- just, this is this is the thing with libertarians that they have not been able to play to the facts on the ground, and this is what you're basically alluding to is that after the COVID regime, you still have, and if you listen to Pete Quinones at all, I had him on him and I shot the shit about this for <laughs> probably a fair shake of the show, but um, I love, I love Pete. Uh, oh, Pete's I, 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 I didn't actually. And he like, he can attest that for a while whenever he was in his, um, his uh, agorist phase mm. and he was taking shots at like copians or like political Rothbardians or whatever me and you follow Jared at end democracy. Uh, no, the guy, the guy, yeah, he's the he's the guy who founded Hopping.org. Yeah, yeah, and, I know what you're saying. Yeah, and um, he like we went at it a lot. Like, like me, Jared, we went at Pete, and then Pete all of a sudden, like, he had a aha moment or something like that, and then he's like legit. I love the dude. He's great. Yeah. Like, like we'll DM every once in a while or everything like that. And then like, I don't necessarily agree with the term post-libertarian. I don't like it. Um, I actually, I don't, I don't. It's like, like that. I, it's an umbrella term almost. I, I, yeah. I don't I like it being a moment is, is a great way to use it. But then there were people that were identifying as post-libertarians, like it was a separate ideology. And I thought that, that was, that was just uh, like, now that they've all, well, Pete's at least clarified it. I'm not sure about like Matt Erickson. Or any of those guys. I, I don't yeah. I actually I'm not a big Matt guy. Um I like Andrew, I like popular liberty and all those guys. But um, but yeah, like I wasn't always a Pete fan. I was always a fan of his show. I wasn't always a, a fan of of Pete the personality, let's just yeah. say. And then um, yeah, and then he had Jared on his show, and and like that was like kind of like the handshake moment where it was just like, okay, like we're, we're cool now, which is awesome because I, I like it, it really sucked like arguing online, like even, even just online little bubbles and like libertarian stuff with like one of the guys that like you admire in the space. And like, it was just like, and now obviously it's great that he agrees with me on like at least 95% of things. (laughs) And we, I'm sure we, we didn't have any influence on it. It just was like, we like just giving him pushback and then him coming around and I doubt that it was any of us who did it. It was just him essentially reading what must be done, actually. Well, you know and what? And when we talked on our show, times. yeah, on my show, yeah. I kind of asked him about that because I've heard him say that countless times. And don't kill me, but I haven't read Hoppe. But, um, oh, dude, just, uh, let me know. I'll drop off a couple books. I'm serious. Oh, dude, you're the man. Thank you. I'll, yeah, I'll, I, I'll take uh, you up uh, on that. But yeah. um, it, it's just, I think he saw the same thing that a lot of the post-libertarians kind of saw that you know okay well we had the ron paul movement of 2008 2012 and a lot of people came in for gary johnson and then you had joe jorgensen which is a complete total fucking failure of the libertarian party and nothing happened 2020 everybody's locked in their homes and you don't have a firebrand coming from the libertarian party when there's every opportunity and every incentive for us to just be out there beating up on donald trump beating up on joe biden there's ample opportunity look this guy said he was going to drain the swamp he signed all these stimulus bills you want to vote in joe biden he's going to push socialism you know straight up he's the fucking credit cards guy you know Citibank calls him up when they need bailed out 
you think this dude's really going to pay off your student debt? No. So like there was so much missed opportunity here, but this is what the Hoppians are basically pointing out as far as I could tell is that, look, if we're not going to be able to do this, you know, through the libertarian route or just by screaming Rothbard from the rooftops, then we're going to have to do something a little bit more pragmatic. And if that means breaking the non-aggression principle or, you know, maybe doing something that you're not 100% comfortable with to get towards libertarian ends, basically using right wing means to get right wing or not necessarily right wing lens, but libertarian ends, well, then I, uh, we have to do that. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, I, I would like to just clarify on here, any Hoppian that you see that advocates for breaking the non-aggression principle is not a Hoppian. I say that all, I try to say that all the time that there was the helicopter memes and all that stuff is hilarious. I love it. <laughs> it makes, it makes every, it makes all the right people really, really upset. And I and like, and then like the fake Rotarians will come out and just be like, Oh yeah, everybody that owns the libs you love. And it's just like, no, I like my guys. So it's just like, whatever. I, I, I don't care what they say. Um, but it's uh, like, any Hoppian who advocates for breaking the non-aggression principle, which I don't say, I don't mean using politics as breaking the non-aggression principle. That's an, okay. agor- that is an, that is an agorist. That is an agorist usage of the non-aggression principle. That is a, a complete, and that's what we would argue with Pete about. Like people would talk about how Lysander Spooner said that like, oh, the constitution is useless, but he also advocated for defensive voting. Mm-hmm. like rothbard advocated right. for defensive voting tom woods advocates for defensive voting the the idea that politics itself or use or voting itself is force is an agorist usage of the word politics yeah just like the way that ancaps will say we hate governments we don't hate governments we don't hate governance we hate the state there's a big difference between that. A voluntary governance and a, a, a governance by the non-aggression principle, meaning like actual in Kapistan, meaning private judges, private law. That is voluntary governance. That is private governance. That is not a state. There's a very, very big difference between that. And okay, just to clarify, just to, that was a little side thing. No, that's yeah. fine. That's fine. And I'm glad you clarified that because... I don't want to say I didn't understand that, but once you made that clarification of basically using politics to achieve your means, a, a lot of the on the spectrum <laughs> libertarians. You mean eighty-five percent of them? Yeah, a lot of them would tell you that you're wrong for doing that. But once again, after twenty twenty, things kind of changed, and you right. know, it, it's like the whole homeless guy in a park thing. You literally see people saying, "Well, privatize the parks." What about right in this moment, right now? Are you really yeah. going to tell me that homeless dude jacking off while you're trying to take your three-year-old daughter to the park? You're just going to scream, privatize the parks from across the street, and that's going to fix it? Exactly. Like- it, no, it's it's dealing with it's dealing with reality. Um, it's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, like when Rothbard said, unleash the cops, like, get rid of the bums. Like, if, if there is a family that is trying to be in a park and there's a, there's a, there's a homeless guy shooting up in front of them and like pissing all over himself. <laughs> like they'll say like, um, uh, you're familiar with like ACE, ACE on Twitter, ACE yeah. Okay. I actually respect him greatly, but I disagree with him 
a lot on this issue and where, where Hoppians and a lot of like the agorist types will disagree is that because of like taxpayers could say like, Hey, there's going to be law enforcement in, in Kapistan. Even if you're a libertarian, like you say, mm-hmm. there's going to be law enforcement in Kapistan and in Kapistan, I would not let junkies shoot up in a children's park. I would, <laughs> I would get the Mick police yeah. to get them out. So why not under a state? Why not say, and also the, the line that nobody brings up about the unleash the cops line that Rothbard mm-hmm. said was that if they have any wrongdoing, if they break any real, like if they break their standards of like what, uh, or I, I forget, uh, Oh, of course, subject to liability whenever they are in the yeah. wrong. Nobody brings up that line. Mm-hmm. Like, if if a city is overrun, that is that is hurting property owners. Like, o- overrun by homeless or junkies or violent gangs or whatever. That is that that is hurting property owners, and that is a violation of their property rights. So, while the state existing violates property rights, your robber meaning the state, if he claims to be your defender, then he should defend you in that situation. So, I mean, and that's where, that's where we talk about like the open borders versus, versus, you know, controlled immigration while the state exists, blah, blah, blah. A lot of arguments I've had a million times, but like, yeah, Ace, Ace would say, because the state runs the public park, you, the, you have no right to call the police or to allow the police to to remove that homeless guy because you have no more claim over that property than the homeless guy does because it is unowned property because the state owns it. I disagree. I disagree, I disagree well, greatly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I I subscribe to Hoppe's net taxpayer argument where the if we are going to live under a democratic state, at least have the people who have more of a legitimate claim to the property because they pay into it mm-hmm. should have a say as to what happens to it. See, I don't understand how that's a controversial take because it's like you're being stolen from either way. If you want to earn the A plus on your and Kapistan card, you can earn it, but you literally solve nothing. All you do is win the purity test. This my- is how this is how culture comes into it. Some people only care about theory that like and i care greatly about theory i'm here because of theory like i love libertarianism because of its theory but it comes down to do you care about society and your family at all like and even you don't have to break the non-aggression principle to do what uh, to advocate for what we are advocating for and saying that like okay so uh, uh if somebody is on your property, I mean, that's, that's, that's an easy example, but like if somebody is in a public park, the cop doesn't have to beat the man. He just has to remove the man and him being there and possibly hurting a child. Could you could make an argument from the non-aggression principle for that? It's not, it's not a cut and dry automatically asking a police officer to remove somebody is breaking the non-aggression principle. I don't buy into that argument whatsoever. And, but also even, even, and I, go back to my statement before it was like any hopping that advocates for breaking the non-aggression principle is hopping but i'm just saying that like even if you can make the claim that it did 
if you care about a functioning society, you have to deal with reality. Right. You can't are like, like you, uh, Pete says all the time, stop living in, in, in Kapistan in your head. <laughs> We're not, yeah. we live under the largest state in the history of the world, mm-hmm. in the history of humanity. However, we think a private law society will function using our knowledge of libertarianism and the non-aggression principle as a guiding tool we should try and steer the state in a direction where it would look like what we would want it to look like. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing inherently aggressive about that. The state's existence is aggressive. You guiding it to try and dictate policy towards a more free libertarian society is not inherently aggressive. It's defensive. And so I, I, I have a really hard time with people who don't take defending society seriously or defending culture seriously, because once you lose those things, your political ends are gone. Mm-hmm. And that's why I talk, I, I talk about how collapsitarians are, are you might as they might as well be communists because they just want the whole thing to fall. And they want like the, the amount of human suffering here that we're talking about. If like, no matter how, what means ha- what happens or how it happens, we want the state to just collapse. There's a lot of windfall from that. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of suffering and death that will be involved in that in in that situation. And that's why I'm not a reformist to a to a T, but I don't agree with using whatever means possible to make sure the state falls. I want peace. I want society. I want freedom. I want I want. Uh, I want people to flourish except for my enemies. Um, (laughs) It's uh, like, and that's, that's, I, I try and harp on that all the time. We're libertarians because we want people to be free and we want them to prosper. That's, that's why we're libertarians. I mean, most people, anyway, we want people to be free. We want them to be able to make money. We want them to be able to raise their families without the state destroying their lives or without people who want to, uh, who, who, once you use the state to destroy their lives, aka leftists, Marxists, whatever, from the from the you know libertarian or right wing point of view, I mean it's just like people lose sight of that, and I think it makes them like that's where I get frustrated with them. I don't necessarily think that they're they're irredeemable in their thoughts on this. Like like there's a, it's a bear, like the open borders argument for you know while the state exists is not a bad one. I think it is wrong. But I mean, there's a lot of people I respect that use it. Walter Block, one of my favorite libertarians of all time. He says, well, the state exists. We must have open borders because, you know, there's a right to travel, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, okay, like, I respect you a lot. I think you're wrong because he uses that that same argument that while the state exists, the land that they claim is actually unowned. And I disagree. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's a reasonable disagreement. I'm really looking forward to the uh, Spike Cohen and Dave Smith debate on open borders. I don't know who's going to come out on top on that one, but the open borders deal, I, once again, I don't think it's a controversial thing to say. If we have a state, especially a welfare state, probably can't have open borders where people can come in and vote for whoever they want. I, I mean, like how you don't logically deduce from this, like you will lose your freedom because you literally provide incentives for people to come here to get free stuff. Uh, what's, what's the argument against that? I know people say, oh, well, they, freedom of movement, but 
they're saying they're saying our argument is consequentialist and their argument is rights-based so a priori deductive a libertarian rights claim okay so i i'm oh, sorry go ahead uh, i and, got i got a question and, i want to ask and you where yeah and yeah and where where i come from is that open borders is a violation a priori deductive libertarian reasoning a violation of libertarian rights mm-hmm. because uh well, well we go back to uh the net taxpayer or or, or like so apply apply your property to the state essentially i know that that's that's a very very controversial claim but like you have a right to remove trespassers somebody who can come into your country and cross a line and then make the same claim to the resources that you pay into without paying into it is a trespasser that is that is there is nothing anti-libertarian about what i just said there is nothing advocating for breaking the nap about what i just said the person who comes to take resources that does not have a just claim to it while you have a more just claim to it because you are living under a state that robs from you to run that property you have a more just claim to that property and they should be treated as a trespasser you i totally think that's a that's probably one of the best ways I've ever heard that explained. And it, it's like something that I think we all implicitly realize, or at least people of our persuasion, but laying it out that way, I think it's the best case against it. So while we're kind of on this, um, you know, consequentialist a priori rights or what have you talk here, um, I, I tweeted out today because I, I've thought about this issue a lot. And I went out to uh, breakfast with a friend of mine who considers himself a I want to say he calls himself a libertarian socialist and you know whatever that means to whoever is what there are the, there are those i will be yeah. fair i will be mm-hmm. fair i hate that they use the term libertarian but if we if we are going to be honest with mm-hmm. ourselves rothbard stole the term from them right, so, right. i mean uh, so i mean it, it's cool i think mm-hmm. that whenever they say that they are libertarians i think just because we run that word now they have to <laughs> clarify not us we don't have to clarify. <laughs> they do. Um, I, I like that. But um, it, so real quick, we were going on back and forth about abortion. And so I'm a pro-life person, right? And the reason why I'm pro- pro-life is because I think we all understand what the consequences of having sex is, right? So I consider myself more along the lines of being a social conservative. So if you understand that having sex could produce a child, then you accept those consequences every time you do that. So if it just so happens that you become pregnant from that, then it is not morally right for you to take a life because you don't want to accept the consequences of that action. That's okay. how I come to my pro-life position. Um, just because we're kind of down this rabbit hole, I'm curious your thoughts on that. And it seemed like a lot of uh, – a actually liked that tweet, funny enough, and a few other people liked it. But um, all the left libertarians, I can hear them screaming right now, but that's kind of where I came to be pro-life. I always consider myself pro-life, but that is my most solid argument for being pro-life is because I believe that people have responsibility for their actions and people will make the argument, oh, well, what if they're drunk? Well, if you're drunk driving and you kill somebody, are you responsible or not? Yeah, no, no I, I agree. And uh, yeah, just to, just to make a clarification, um, 
consequentialism versus deontological libertarianism uh like i think you're talking about consequences but like mm-hmm. consequentialism just means that the results of something justify the means oh, okay i'm sorry yeah so and deontological libertarianism is a kantian deductive uh justification for libertarian rights using logical deduction so that's right. it but oh, but just to just to clarify on that um but oh no you're good uh you're good yeah i mean this this spurgy philosophical shit i mean a a lot of people don't want to get into that and that's fine because it's it's honestly it's a lot but um but yes with consequences of your actions i mean if you believe in being responsible for your actions you're a right-wing person you're a social conservative (laughs) actually yeah i mean that's it um if you believe that you should be responsible for the actions that you take in life no matter your influences no matter where you were at the time, what the only thing that you the the only thing that you are liable for are your actions and your choices. That makes you a right wing person. Now it does. Apparently, like philosophically, yeah, it pretty much does. But like it, even within our our weird understanding of what light, right and left is now in American life, believing that you have to take ownership of what you've done is a conservative right is a right-wing position assuredly and a conservative one in some spaces there are some conservatives that aren't so good at that point they call themselves that but i don't believe that they are crypto leftists is probably the term that i would use for most of them (laughs) um but uh but yeah i mean i definitely i am definitely a pro-life person um i didn't arrive at that for a long time because I actually agreed with Rothbard that until the fetus is uh, 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 somebody who can understand rights and they are technically a trespasser mm. and uh, that could be that could uh, and I actually now I very very much disagree with that um, not just not just based on viewing you know a, a life that you bring in that you your actions brought in should not be viewed as a trespasser on your own body. I'm very glad you said that because that's yeah. exactly the way I look at it. And that's the way a lot of, um, you know, a pro-choice people, even Walter Block says that because his, um, you know, he put forth evictionism, which yeah. I like that. Which I, let- I actually, I like it. I yeah. like it much, much more than pure because he actually, mm-hmm. he, he actually took both sides mm-hmm. and kind of like, hegelian dialectic libertarian (laughs) rights at the same time like arrived at a position where nobody's rights are violated i mean sure i i mean it i i just don't think right now if if the left's position was evictionism i would fucking i would be hands raised to the stars like thank god like good on uh, something yeah like yeah but it's just not um and that's and um that's very very unfortunate and walter block did fantastic work on that um i can't even uh, like i would have to read up on his position again like the real papers and try and come up with with a great critique of it because right now i really don't abortion is actually an issue that i don't discuss much Mm -hmm. um just because i've been so back and i've been so back and forth on it in the past Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean if you want to if you view humanity or moral beings as people who are responsible for their own actions, and then you say that you can just wipe out another life just because 
you feel that you are not responsible for the action that you took. Libertarian rights aside, I don't think you're that good of a person. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. I mean, not even saying that in a mean way, like mm-hmm. you're just like dodging responsibility in any way is a net negative on a social order and on a person. If, exactly. if, if you're able to dodge responsibility at every turn by just being either a just a sly person or like a, just a, a good arguer or something like that, you're able to get away with everything all that will do is take away from what you could have done as a person to be a moral being so i mean like uh, even libertarian rights theory aside on the pro-life pro-choice argument a society that can dodge responsibility by terminating a life or even if something that you determine it is not a life being it not a moral being yet will be a broken society in a couple generations absolutely i mean that's not that's not something that that should even be controversial mm-hmm. i mean it's, it's just if you can if you can something as severe as either institutionalized murder which you know abortion can be viewed as and which i i think that it probably is mm-hmm. or just being able to skate the consequences of your actions that easily with such high stakes on a moral end mm-hmm even the possibility of the high stakes on a moral end, a society that doesn't value anything like that will be a dead one. It's a, at right. least a dying one. And that's why I go back to like caring about culture and society. It's just a dangerous precedent to set, even, even not just for that life that we're discussing or those lives that we're discussing for future societies. I mean, it's just, it's insane. Right. And I'm glad that you harken it back to culture because this is another thing I wanted to tap on. Um, it, it seems like the Hoppe kind of camp really does focus on culture. There was a libertarian right. tweeting out about, he said, I, I want to say it was something with the sixth or fifth plank of the LPMC. And they said that they don't dig in on cultural issues. It was something to that degree. And he said, I fully endorse this and Hans Hermann Hoppe, and I can't remember who else he said, he said they would probably disagree with me. And, right. you know, it, maybe back a couple of years ago, I wasn't sure about cultural stuff, but as I get older and I plan to become a father and you see people who are fathers and how societies fall apart when they don't have strong fathers or strong men, it kind of makes you realize that cultural stuff is really important. Having cultural norms around strong families is very, very important, which as we've done in this country, we've greatly eliminated. We've greatly eliminated the need for a father and we make men feel like they're not important or that they're not required to raise a family properly. And that is a big cultural thing that I think libertarians in 2022, 2024 are really going to have to push on because that's not the left's thing. The left doesn't care about fathers or families necessarily because they're about- They care about, they care about, they care about abolishing it. Exactly. I mean, I mean it, it's just, I mean, if you take egalitarianism to its, to its logical end, there are no hierarchies. There are no families. Yes. Yes. I mean, actually, uh, completely. There, there is no, there is no family unit. There is only mm-hmm. equals. Right. And that's, and if you don't have a society that values the traditional family, I mean, and uh, I mean, if you look at BLM's planks, one of their planks is eliminating the nuclear is family, elimin- elimin- eliminating the nuclear family. The left knows that the family is the number one structure that they must break in order to gain their political society that they want. 
Mm-hmm. And, and also the LPMC not being explicitly right wing on culture is one of my main critiques of them. And that's if, and what you're speaking to is a logical view of what you need to have a society that values liberty and freedom. I mean, it's just, if you don't get a society that cares about property rights, if they don't want, if, if they think that the family should be abolished, if you, if they, if they think that fathers don't have the right to take care of their own children, they sure as hell don't believe that you have a right to guide your household and your property as you see fit. A leftist cultural framework is the death of private property. And that's, and that's where Hoppians are the best on, but it also makes people pull back from, especially like people who are new to libertarianism or who have been in it for a while that just, aren't ready to take the plunge on talking about cultural issues. Cause again, they only think that you need to care about, you only need to care about politics in getting libertarianism, right? Hoppe expounds this a lot. I mean, it's a very, very short book and it discusses how the only way you achieve a private law society is within a right-wing understanding of culture mm-hmm. is with the traditional family is with you know, strong communities based on, based on guiding institutions that aren't the state churches. uh, You don't even have to live in a Christian community. You could be, or a religious community. You could just be living in a community that cares about uh, gathering together and having, you know, just making sure that everybody's taken care of, which hence is usually churches. Mm -hmm. So that's why like, a right-wing view of culture is not only complementary to achieving the type of libertarian order that people who don't even consider themselves Hoppians, but just like good libertarians. Uh, I mean, it's just, I lost my train of thought for a second. But, <laughs> um, yeah. Like the, the right-wing cultural framework. Oh yeah. Is, is not just complementary to getting to a libertarian order. It is necessary right. to get into a libertarian order. You don't get people with, with, with green hair talking about how they hate their dads, talking about how private property is necessary for a, for a good society. Right. Those people are talking about how private property literally makes them not be able to live their lives how they see fit. Yeah, you, don't get, you don't get anywhere we want to go by catering to these leftists these egalitarians to these haters of everything that makes american or western society good right. and that's I, that's where we get in trouble all the time where we like defending western civilization where they just say that's automatically white nationalism not necessarily but i mean like it's just like the western understanding of society culture and political norms is the only way you get to the sort of society that we want as, as, as good as real libertarians. Yeah. Well, you know what people raked Stefan Molyneux over the coals. And like I said, he's kind of the guy that really brought me to libertarianism and he was very, very strong about the family and he's an devout atheist, but you know what he always said? I have more in common with the, uh, you know, Bible thumping Christians with tight knit families than I do with atheists. Cause you hear a lot of these leftists talking about, you know, 
you can basically live a degeneracy where you know there's no partner loyalty you can have these polyamorous relationships have like none of this stuff is conductive to a society that can tolerate freedom because what people don't understand is that with freedom is responsibility you're responsible for your actions you are a free market actor you have to produce things you need to give people something that they want in order to consume because that's the only way that you're going to get currency you're going to barter for things that you want and things that you need and typically tight-knit families tight-knit communities you know people who have respect for property rights which actually eventually does devolve down into you know relationships um that's going to be able to tolerate freedom much better than this polyamorous degeneracy that some left-wing cultural people push for and i don't see it any other way i don't know how people can push for this degeneracy and think there's a good outcome look at all the single mothers out there and i'm not necessarily bashing them but you know i'm sorry as a man this is going to give me tons of flack but i don't think men should tolerate single mothers because there is a fault there they either paired with somebody who wasn't a good father or they weren't a good enough woman to maintain that relationship. So you should, I don't want to say necessarily abstain, but you should only pair up with people who are going to be good for a long-term relationship. So that way you two can, you know, push this respect for property rights and, you know, healthy relationships, healthy families into the future. You don't get that by, you know, polyamory or, you know, having these giant, you know, burning man rituals in your house with right. 60 different strangers. You just don't get that. And yeah, it's I a mean, right wing thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it's obviously a, 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 a right now. It, it, it I mean, the, the defending the traditional family is a right wing position mm-hmm. and um, the, like, yeah, you're definitely a, a right wing person. Um, where I'm going to try and get you, where I'm going to try and get you at, is understanding that libertarianism is necessarily right wing. That's what a lot of people won't philosophically because it is anti egalitarian. It must be right wing. So that's essentially that's like our that's our position. Uh, that like the Hopian.org people, but a lot of people are uncomfortable with making that claim just because they they want libertarianism to be neither right nor left because of the Walter Block like third third leg of the stool argument i don't like that argument i think it's bad mm-hmm. i think that there are only right and left and libertarian libertarianism not only political ally wise but in terms of philosophy is right wing but going off uh your uh, i mean i'm pretty agnostic on the on the single mother issue i think if a single mother chose badly i think they can learn from it and that they could maybe find some value and become a better person with somebody who is a great person. But I have, I fault no man who wants somebody that does not have children that wants to start their own family without dealing with another person's already started family that fell apart. I have zero issue with that. And that's even the fact that that's almost problematic to say is, is another thing. That's another just a fucking giant pointing right there sign at this society is dying that if somebody wants to start their own family with somebody that doesn't already have children and would discriminate that way discrimination and also a libertarian uh must um <laughs> but i mean uh i mean a walter block the case for discrimination his name has came up a lot in this and that's great because i never yeah. talked about walter block but yeah well <laughs> Walter Block, The Case for Discrimination. Good mm-hmm. book. Uh, very short. Very, very good. Very libertarian. Um, 
But the fact that a guy would want to discriminate against single mothers because he wants his own family or discriminate against, even if he's an older man, discriminate against people that are his age and want to go for, you know, girls that are of legal age, but, but younger than him. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that he's considered disgusting or like something like that. And he's uh, like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, it's just like, he wants to start a family, be it late, but he wants to start a family with somebody who is viable for him. So, I mean, like it's, if, if uh, you don't have any eggs anymore, like the, if he wants to start a family, you're kind of out. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it, it, <laughs> I hear all the libertarians screeching right now. Cause we're uh at this point, they probably think we're like fucking Richard Spencer, <laughs> but, but it is true. You, we discriminate all the time. I discriminated against all the other women for my fiance. We've been exactly. dating, for, you know, we've been dating for over three years now. And guess what? I'm perfectly okay with that. I remember I was telling a uh, coworker of mine a couple of years ago. Um, he, he was bitching about a company not hiring pregnant women or something like that. He's like, well, that's discriminatory. I said, yeah, it is. And that's okay. Because guess what? And now you have a worker who you actually, in all seriousness, now the state requires you to pay them to be off and they're not being productive. It's a right. net negative. It's a net loss. So absolutely that should that employer should be able to discriminate based on that criteria. And, you know, if you don't like it, well, go work for somebody else. Discrimination is 100% a libertarian ideal. Absolutely, yeah. When the state discriminates, it is not a libertarian idea. <laughs> right. When the, uh, well, I should say, when the state forces you to not discriminate, that is not a libertarian ideal, mm-hmm. obviously. You can discriminate all you want based on any line that you would ever wish. Does it make it good? Absolutely not. But without discrimination, no one makes a choice ever, not once. Mm-hmm. So people saying that like something is discriminatory is saying that like, okay, if we take your argument to a logical end and say discrimination automatically equals bad, then why did you eat cereal instead of a piece of toast this morning? <laughs> yeah, honestly. It's just a, a discrimination, although uh, against people, it, it, it can feel wrong just because of the way that we're grown. Like, unfairly discriminating against someone by for any means while libertarian is i mean it's not nice i mean and that's where you got to separate between what's libertarian and what is what is good mm-hmm. and like unfairly discriminating against someone because you don't like their nose while a libertarian position is probably not nice they might be a really nice person they yeah. might they might be somebody who adds a lot of value to your life but you're just like yeah your nose looks weird and you're just like, yeah, I'm not going to talk to them. That's not a nice position. It's a 100% a libertarian one. So it's like, uh, yeah, it's just funny that when people talk about how discrimination is automatically bad, like <laughs> there could be mean discrimination, yeah. but it doesn't make it automatic. Just because something is mean doesn't make it bad or unlibertarian. Like when people say that, like, you know, I mean, there are some of uh, talk about the Civil Rights Act and all that stuff. Whenever people are just like how Ron Paul and Rand Paul said that they wouldn't sign the Civil Rights Act. And they're just like, oh, they're racist. And I'm like, no, they're libertarians. They think that you're allowed to discriminate with your property however you see fit. Even if other people view that discrimination as ugly, Mm -hmm. that is 100% a libertarian position. I mean, like it's something that you got to kind of 
like grapple with as a libertarian like it's just like oh shit like that's not a popular position at all but it's one that if you believe in libertarian rights you pretty much have to take um unless you come up with some brilliant scholarly article as to how discrimination uh, an anti-discrimination is somehow libertarian on a property rights perspective which i don't think anybody could because it's just it's, I I don't think it's possible because it uh, dis- discrimination again is a libertarian ideal. Yeah. Um. It it, it sometimes does get ugly, but hundred percent libertarian. Right. So kind of pivoting while we're talking about discrimination, um, you're in a hardcore band, and I'm in. I would say we're like an alternative metal band. Um, <laughs> how were uh, shows for you if you were able to play any over the course of 2020? You know, because there were certain venues that discriminated against people who, uh, how do I want to say this, would wear masks and would tell you to shut their business down, but stayed open in spite of that. Yeah, um, well, thankfully, um, uh, in our area, we have um, Preserving Underground, um, my friend AJ's venue, um, he bought that Salvation Army uh, in New Kent. Oh, no, Kensington. no, that's enough. In, in the New Kensington yeah. area, mm-hmm. uh, right by the courthouse that he turned into a record shop slash uh, venue that is now Drusky Entertainment's main venue. Okay. And because and because AJ is a uh, hardcore kid, I mean, uh, he's he's been in hardcore since he was 16. You know that uh, pizza shop behind, or that garage behind China House, that, uh, that, that like car garage right by... Um, like, you know, China House, that little alley there. Right, you know, there's right that garage. The, right, since you go across the bridge right, and you can. Right, no, in the Heights. Oh, oh, this, oh uh, yeah. okay, yeah, and yeah. yeah. Heights, right, right behind the middle school, there's that Yeah, garage. I know exactly what you're talking about. He owned that whenever he was like 17 years old and it was a venue and he called it Planet of the Apes and they used to steal. Oh, I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about, yeah. Okay, okay, so he You can find Benisa bleeding through playing there. Bleeding, bleeding through, through and you. My Chemical Romance under oath. Oh my um, God. But yeah, um, he bought a venue slash record store in New Ken. That's that, that, that's that old Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. And he is, I mean, he doesn't really shy away from this. He's, he's more of like a conservative guy. He's a libertarian, but definitely like not like doesn't care about reading or anything like that. Like he always just talks about like, like he's just what, what everyone thinks like a normal libertarian is like from the outside in, but just like a, so a more, more conservative sure. than the, uh, like politically what a, people think a libertarian is. Um, but he required no masks, no vax passes. That was like a part of the deal. Whereas like, I will never ever require any of these things. And he, I mean, we played some shows during like peak quarantine at his old venue um that were you know pretty risky to do just because they could have easily been shut down but i mean he he's been at the forefront of essentially guiding guiding hardcore into like because you know for how uncowardly people in hardcore think they are they are cowards to go against the mainstream narrative that's Mm -hmm. what some fucking punks they are um but uh aj was essentially the guy and he took a lot of flack for it that essentially said we're doing what we love to do, whether we're told we're allowed to or not. That's awesome. And, and I mean, we played shows during quarantine. I mean, he started having shows way earlier than everybody else. I mean, 
be at DIY hardcore shows, not like promoted by big promoters or everything, but he, he's got a big room and they filled yeah. up pretty goddamn quick because people wanted to go to a show. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, my band played, do you know where Brandy's Basement is out in Irwin? I don't. I don't. Okay, so uh, we kind of run. I I kind of wish I was more in the hardcore scene because I live for the heavier music. I mean, that's like what I grew up on because I remember going to shows at the Roundhouse up in Atlanta Heights all oh, the yeah, time. Dude, as a kid. Those, those shows were a blast. Oh, dude. And, and that was like back in the day when like, I don't know, dude, it's just it's different. Now it's at least in the music that I play, it's not the same. Like I said, we're more like alternative metal. Yeah. Um, we played at Brandy's Basement and I remember I went in there with a mask on and I want to say this was June of last year. So they were like just starting to do lockdowns again. And I walked in there with a mask and I looked around and nobody else was wearing one. I'm like, oh, this is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it, it's, it's funny. Um, it, it was just a really strange moment whenever I saw everyone in hardcore towing the line on what we should do with our subculture right whenever like for so many people i mean most people in hardcore are just like run-of-the-mill leftists i mean that's really just how it is i mean yeah. there's some out like like myself like um people in my band are all all libertarians except for one like actually mm-hmm. like real ones um but we're not a political band we don't talk about it at all yeah um but i mean it's just they're all run-of-the-mill leftists, so they just go along with whatever the regime says these days. Even when they claim to hate all authority and presidents and whatever, they just yeah. total line on everything because we have to control this virus. And it's just like, okay, like what we're doing isn't working. So whatever your your meaningless thoughts on it are, we're gonna do whatever we're doing now. I mean, uh, we we listened for a second whenever it was very uncertain. And then, you know, people started having shows. I mean, people with actual balls started having shows, whether it be in their garage, whether it be in their basement, whether it be, you know, AJ at his venue, whether it be the, you know, the higher ups in hardcore having like secret shows where they just invited their friends and a bunch of, Mm. a bunch of bands to play. I mean, especially AJ took a lot of flack for it um, because he's very vocal about it. Um, But that's like, 75% 75% of his gimmick is making people mad that he wants to make mad and showing who the, who the cowards are and who's actually for real. Yeah. Um, so that's his thing. Um, but, but yeah, he definitely exposed a lot of people who are fucking clowns and that I don't take seriously and never should have right. um, out, of, out of this whole thing. Um, but yeah, it is definitely interesting. You're playing definitely more, like bigger venues not diy like hc Mm. shows where it's just like a guy setting it up and there's just a room where you open it with a key and then you do whatever you want yeah Um, you're playing real venues with bars and stuff so that's 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 tough that yeah well we still play a decent bit of shows i'll tell you probably the cool show we we played two cool shows and one silver lining if any that came out of covid was that we got to play a lot of outdoor shows so last year we opened for steel panther up in butler sold out show dude over a thousand people i never had people honk their horns between songs but i I gotta say it's pretty fucking cool and i never never played a show where literally like when my drummer would hit the bass drum or hit the snare it would shake your chest dude it was it was so fucking cool and that's awesome um are, are you familiar with the rock for life events 
a little. I've seen okay. them before. Yeah, so like I've seen like flyers and everything yeah, like that. My drummer and my bass player, the two that started that like 20 years ago, and uh my, my bass player, full, you know, like full disclosure, he's a huge Trump guy, but he's like he's pretty much a libertarian other than war stuff in China. But you'll get him. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. He, You'll get him. He, he's kind of like he, he thinks China's going to come over here and take over. But yeah, you know, people that, people who are actually good on a lot of things that aren't like people drop their neocon ish tendencies if they're not full. I keep using this term crypto leftist. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously, like like if you want to like, we'll have to have another discussion sometime about neoconservatism. But but yeah, I mean like people like people who are actually good and just beat the war drums every once in a while that aren't like actual neocons will come around. I mean, we saw Trump supporters doing it all uh, for four years. When if you would have told me in two thousand eight that a Republican president and all of his supporters, while everybody in the corporate press was beating the war drums to bomb a country. And he was saying, and all his supporters were saying, absolutely not. I would have been like, get the fuck out of here, man. I was just like, the, the neocons took that party over a long time ago. There's no hope. The paleo years are mm-hmm. over. That party's just as just as bad or worse than a lot of like a lot of Democratic candidates. Whatever. I mean, Lou Rockwell is one of the guys who like kind of was 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 kind of carrying some water for the Democrats during the terror war years, just because they didn't want to fight any wars in, in the middle East anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Lou Rockwell, you know, the Fakertarian's number one enemy. Cause he wrote an article about how, how there were so many r- mixed race kids playing hockey in the mighty ducks too, that that was like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, like, it was, it, it's just funny. Like, how a lot of people who I saw in 2012 talking about how we should stay in Afghanistan forever, just because they started seeing what Trump was doing in 2016 through 2020 and becoming more anti-war without even realizing it. And I think, see, see, if I didn't see it in like over 20 people, I know I would call bullshit on that. So my personal experience, and I'm, I'm glad that yours differs. I, I, I talked about this with Clint Russell when I had him on the other day. Oh, you had Clint on? Yeah, I just had Clint on. He was the last episode I put out. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's uh, he rules. I met him at uh, the Yale event in Florida. He's a fun guy. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. Uh, that was probably one of my favorite shows that I did. I say that about just about every single show. But, um, yeah, he's, yeah. he's awesome. Clint's a good um, dude. Personally... It seems like all the right wingers I know, and look, dude, I work for car dealerships, right? I work on Buick GMC fucking Cadillac. So, I mean, these are the boomer cons of the boomer cons. These dudes through and through were so proud of Trump when he bombed Syria. Um, as far as they're concerned, you know, all the Middle East, there are a bunch of animals over there, so they all deserve to die. Um, if if he told, if Trump, in my opinion, if Trump told a lot of these people that we're going to go to war with Iran and China, they would line up in a heartbeat. It's, and just, that's been my experience with I don't every think single so, one of them. Just because of the Tucker Carlson phenomenon. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll hear you out. I, I just, like I said, in my uh, in my personal experience, it's just okay. So where where I'm at from this? Sure. 
you have the Marjorie Taylor Greens, you have the Matt Gates, you have the Anthony Sabatini's. Also, shout out Anthony Sabatini. My boy works for him. Although he is like a right wing populist guy who like just like is like shut down social media companies and all that stuff. Dude is read through and through on Rothbard. Just a little hint there. He knows his shit. But all, right. um, all these people are ant- like talking about no more wars. America first. Bring our troops home. Like all the new right populists that were brought forward by the Trump movement and Tucker Carlson's new anti-war Pat Buchanan, new new like paleo moment like heel turn for fox news but very good turn for us these people just like with the vaccines it's not that they listen to trump it's that their ideas changed because of trump it's a very very strange phenomenon but i'll fucking take it yeah well you know this is what Tho always says that they uh trump the trumpsters are better than trump Trumpians are better than Trump. Yes. Hayekians are better than high or yeah. Hayek is better than well in, in this case, Hayek is better than Hayekians, but also like Trumpians are better than Trump in this situation. Yes. Like, like whenever, whenever they have good instincts, middle America and the South and just rural people, have very, very good instincts whenever it comes to politics in general from a libertarian perspective. These people just want to be left alone. Yeah. So, I mean, to we could weaponize that. And Tucker Carlson is a perfect example of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, although very, very far from a libertarian, he's very much just like one of those new new right-wing pop, populists that are, that are like leftist on economics, which is disgusting, and it makes me fucking sick. But... <laughs> Well, I, trust me, like these new Zoomer right wing, uh, as, as much as I love the American right for its roots, I despise this new economic egalitarianism, mm-hmm. social conservatism type bullshit. You're either right wing or you're not. Right. So stop claiming that we could have a giant welfare state and take care of everybody. And then we can talk about how we need to control immigration because you're you're being just as much of a leftist as Joe Biden. Whenever he mm-hmm. talks about controlling immigration and taking yeah. care of everybody, you're just as much of a leftist. So right. you're, you're lying to yourself. But the Tucker Carlson moment, just with the war stuff, whenever Trump was ready to go to war with Iran, and Tucker literally went on and had a segment on how this was a horrible idea and how. We need no more wars, and this would be an unjust war, just like Iraq and Afghanistan, which Trump thought were unjust wars. For all of his faults, he thought they were unjust, which is something that I never thought I'd hear from from an American president, to be honest. Let alone a Republican. Let alone a Republican president, Mm -hmm. Um, just because it was a Republican president who started them. It was just party politics 101. Um, But just hearing... Tucker going on there and just saying that like this would be the worst idea if you want to get reelected this is a nightmare mm-hmm. and this is not America first and Trump who assuredly watched his Tucker Carlson every single night <laughs> changed his changed his mind in a heartbeat mm-hmm. 
And this is the the energy that that like influencing right wing major like thinkers could really become a true cultural and political shift just for the general American right. Like, yeah, Trump was the start, but we could really do something. So I mean, this, yeah, but this is why I'm really, really hopeful for 2022, 2024 is because Trump's rhetoric was phenomenal and he landed belly up so many times, but kind of back to what you're saying is that the Trumpsters are better than Trump, right? So he implanted, you know, it's great to hear the talking point among the right that, you know, they don't like the CIA anymore. They don't like war. Um, granted, he planned a lot of, you know, anti-China rhetoric, which, you know, when you do any digging on China, you all, find all, out it's all, all populist. Bullshit. All populists need an enemy. I mean, that's that's the part that sucks. It's just right. like, like, instead of directing all of his, like, en- enemy rhetoric at the regime, he was he was pointing it towards... Like as much as he talked about the deep state and how everyone in Washington D.C. Washington, hated him, he also talked about China, right? Because he is uh, is close to a Buchananite without being a Buchananite. You could be with talking about trade deficits and tariffs and everything like that. I mean, just complete economic. Uh, try not to say the the R word here because I know that. Uh, are you putting this on YouTube? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Complete, just economic, just uh, dumbassery. We'll call what, it that. What, what did Gene Epstein call him in the debate about tariffs? He kept calling him in a, a something buffoon. I don't. It was really funny though. But I'm yeah, sorry. Uh, go on. Yeah, but I, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, just uh, like is, Trump was as close to a Buchananite without being a Buchananite. You could be on economics. Um, and China's a paper tiger. We all know that they, they don't have the production. They don't, they don't have the, I mean, read Ludwig von Mises economic calculation in the socialist Commonwealth without true free market prices, a an economy will collapse inevitably. Mises won this debate in 1921. Everybody's been trying to beat him on it afterwards. And socialists started being more free market because of Ludwig von Mises, because they realized that they had to have a price structure. Mm-hmm. Von Mises literally threw Marx in the trash in 1921 and made socialists adjust because of that book. And it is one of the best economic books in the world. So China cannot be a world superpower without other superpowers propping them up. They don't have the production. Right. Without the U.S., borrowing uh, essentially having them buy their currency for them china would have collapsed 40 years ago without china buys u.s bonds and the u.s does uh, essentially just props up their economy they don't have the production they don't have the the economic ability to do it because they are still a leftist economy with those free market zones. Right. It's so funny because it's like two house of cards blowing wind at each other to see who falls over first. Cause we send, we yeah, we send them debt and then they send us stuff. But the only reason why they're able to produce stuff is because they're such a Ponzi scheme held up by the same bullshit that essentially we're doing. So it's like it, the two paper tigers in the rain, whoever falls first, you know, loses. That's essentially what this whole thing well, is. It's just like what the what the original Cold War was. It was the U.S. and Russia trying to see who was going to fuck up the most. I mean, it was <laughs> like at least the U.S. had some sort of uh, economy that was right. that was functioning, 
Russia, Russia being as close to, I mean, the USSR, I'm sorry, not just Russia, yeah. the USSR being as close to pure communism that there ever was. I mean, it just showed that they don't have the ability to make economic calculations because of their, their absence of economic knowledge. I mean, they, they can be pure Marxist economists as much as they want. Marx was a great economist for the left, but he was still wrong. <laughs> I mean, it, like, like, I mean, for real, like, uh, if you read Capital, which I've read a good bit of it, um, at least volume one, it's impressive. And then if you read like Bombavrik's uh, book, Karl Marx and the Close of a System, you realize that like, while Marx is impressive, I mean, really, he took, he took a lot of what was known about economics at the time and gave a really, really impressive critique of all of it. But he was still incredibly wrong. And he was not a good guy. But, like, it's still academically impressive. And then, you know, Eugen von Bavrik, the GOAT Austrian economist, my favorite over Mises, actually. Um, that's a, that's a, uh, that is a controversial opinion among Austrian circles. But still, <laughs> um, if you read Karl Marx on the close of a system, they lost that argument a long time ago. The only way that they could stick around is through political means or through cultural means. If you look up, you know, uh, Antonio Gramsci and the Frankfurt School, um, those guys use culture to achieve Marxist political ends, which is why the left is so in control of the culture and why we've grown to be the biggest state in the history of the world. And global politics has become entirely centralized. And uh, the people who claim to be anti-establishment are completely pro-establishment, especially coming from the left. Um, actually, only coming from the left. The only real political right in this country is the one who wants to break away from all that stuff, especially on the climate change and the COVID stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, whenever you see that, like the economics and the philosophy all come together and uh, just hearkening back to, uh, the, the war hawkishness of the former American right and the America firstness of the new American right, um, almost going back to the paleo days, which I hope for, uh, I, I hope and pray for every night as an agnostic that we have another paleo movement Mm -hmm. like i would love to talk to some of the new the the new right guys and talk like get them better on econ and then talking to some of the the libertarians on on how important culture is i have no problem with that the paleo movement broke because of 9-11 it wasn't because it wasn't successful the paleo movement got ron paul elected to congress i mean anybody who says that like the paleo movement was successful is a is a is a liar or they're naive um, because it got Ron Paul elected um, and it got a lot of people to have a lot of, um, what do I want to say? Just a lot of relationships that ended up working, working in, in the future, even with the collapse of it because of 9-11, because the right went hawk, because they listened to the neocons 
one of the worst moments in political history, not just for the American people. Um, it's tragic that all those people died, but it's also tragic that one of the best political movements in the history of American politics fell apart because of just reactionary war politics. Right. And that's something that you don't want to, that we don't want to fall into anymore. We don't want to, we don't want the American right to fall into hawkishness with China just because they're scared of it or something happens. The libertarians have to steer the American right and the Trumpian right now. I don't even want to call it the American right anymore. It's the Trumpian right. The -hmm. best people, uh, the best people on the right are the hard Trump supporters, the America first Trump supporter movement. And libertarians do, I think, just need to focus on bringing those people, whether it be, I mean, if you think the LPMC route is good, then fine, but you've got to bring those people in. You have to focus on those people. You're not getting people wearing Che Guevara shirts on college campuses to fucking listen to you about private property. It's yeah. over. They're done. Yeah. And so disregard them totally. And if you cater to them, you're going to lose. Um, but uh, just the, the American right in general really needs to, to push that energy forward of this America first. We care about the USA fuck whatever's going on everywhere else. We got to clean our own house before anything happens internationally. I think libertarians and the new paleocons and the, the just the new right in general kids, because they are mostly kids, can really bring about some sort of alliance that we haven't seen since the 90s. And I think that's what Tho is focusing on. And that's what that's what I'm focusing on. That's what a lot of us at Hoppian.org are focusing on. Not that we're important players, but I mean we're all a player, yeah. We're we're all quietly getting involved in local GOPs. Um, and we're starting to push these narratives just in local politics, going with the what's, what must be done model. But if you do this enough and libertarians and just right wingers in general work together to just nullify the federal regime you will see more libertarian ends whether these new right-wing populist new right kids want it want to admit it or not they just don't want to be ruled by washington dc we don't want to be ruled by anybody except for our communities so it's a it's a it's a win both ways for both of us i just think the movement wise it's incredibly important for us to just focus on working together with the new right I, i it has to happen and Tucker and Trump were really the start of the new paleo movement. That's why I value it so much. You know, I've battled this so much because I had such a sharp rejection of the Trumpian right for the mistreatment of somebody who is critical of Trump from the rights perspective, right? Because I criticize Trump for being bad on guns. I criticize him on being bad on war. I criticize right. him on being bad on spending. And a lot of the right wingers that I know personally that I work with 10 hours a day, they didn't like that. They didn't want to hear it. But the more I listen to you, the more I listen to Tho, my mind's changing, but I don't know if I'm fully on board yet. Um, we've been chatting for about an hour and a half, man. I'd love to get you and Tho back on and maybe we could talk about a paleo vision going forward. I, I've, I've been I thinking would, about that pretty much the entire show. I would absolutely love to. Tho is 
my boy. Uh, I met him in Florida at that Yao thing. We had some beers. He's a great guy. I talk to him online all the time. One of the early, one of the early supporters of Hoppian.org. So I've, I value that endlessly. He's a great guy. I would love to talk about a new paleo vision. Me, me, you and him. It'd be a blast. I would love that. Awesome. Um, now you said Jared as well. I have to throw him a follow and maybe I'll hit him up and then um, I'm guessing he's probably on the same page as you guys. Oh, he's well, it's funny. Just a little Jared story. I tell this on a lot of the podcasts that I go on. Mm -hmm. Jared on his old account took me from a basic bitch libertarian to a seriously just to a right libertarian so fast i couldn't even uh, my head was spinning he had an account that was really really big um in like 2016 17 18 and it got shut down because he got mass reported doxxed whatever yeah um and he was him and that guy t and a couple other guys were the only right libertarians on twitter and i just remember following him back then when i was just like like i was just uh, 2015, 2016, I was like, I was a libertarian and I was a Rothbardian, but I was just like, I was in college. I didn't really care about politics, whatever. Um, which is funny. Cause I talk about being a Rothbardian and barely caring about politics while getting a poli sci degree. Like I literally, like, it was just like, <laughs> I barely, I barely talked about it. And, um, Jared really sent me down the path of caring about philosophy and economics and everything like that. And then whenever he hit me up in 2019 about starting hoppian.org when we barely knew each other, like I followed him, like we talked every once in a while, but then like he followed me and was like, Hey, I'm thinking about like, I got a vision for like a website where we just like essentially take the right libertarian space and we make it our own and we do our thing. And like Mises, obviously Mises.org is the leading right libertarian space on the internet, mm-hmm. but it's very academic. It's very scholastic. Right. Like while it has like, you know, political articles, it's still an economics first institute. And then we decided to, and now, I mean, with Mises is like Mises Twitter account and um, everything else. Uh, has retweeted us a bunch of times. Like we work together. Um, they donated some books to our giveaway um, for, uh, so it was cool. Um, very, very, I mean, I'm endlessly grateful for the Mises Institute and also um, just with the hopping.org stuff. I mean, it's just, it's just great that we're, we work together on some things, but we decided to take the right libertarian space and make it less about econ and more about just philosophy, property rights, reactionary articles we have a lot of those i'm um, just like reacting to what is happening day to day in american politics but we've been revamping the website for a while so we haven't been able to publish for a minute just because of our our web service was just bad so yeah. we're just we're just doing everything we're going to come back bigger and better than ever nice. um but uh it's just nice that we commanded that space and i remember when jared when jared asked me to do it i was like dude i'm down all right day one and now, now I do a lot of the business development stuff, which means to going to like political events and I write and I edit. So um, it's fun. I go around, pass business cards, drink beers, talk to people about Hoppe and Rothbard. And uh, yeah, Yal was interesting because it's a lot of like 
it's a lot of like neocon-ish type people, which this is disgusting because it was founded by like a libertarian Republican. So it yeah. sucks that like they got to vet who they hire because that shit sucks. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, invite me again, y'all people, because I'm just going to go on podcast and criticize you more. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> honestly, um, but uh, they have a lot of like neocon people. They have great speakers all the time. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a great organization. They have a lot of good people knocking on doors. They have a lot of people who need to be fired. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's cool. Um, I get to go to places, pass out business cards, talk about hop on Rothbard, uh, get to edit articles, get to write articles. It's really fun. Yeah, dude. Um, it, it sounds like a fucking libertarian stream, honestly. Yeah. It's not bad. I mean, I don't get paid for it. We don't ask for any money. Ah, I mean, yeah, it's, just, but- it's really just, a, just a project that like needed to happen. And I didn't realize it until like we got it going that like it definitely needed to happen. And now that we have some people, running social medias for us and we have we have people that are pure editors we have people that are pure writers we get submissions every day that we can't publish because our web service is shit so we're we're fixing that but i mean it's just crazy how popular it got so quick just because there was there was some sort of uh there's a hole that needed to be filled um in the like online space whereas like people who didn't want to write for mises because they were scared to but like are very good writers and needed some, like, like somebody to publish them. And it's, it's awesome. Like seeing people that just like are, are like want to write so bad that will send stuff to us all the time. And we get to like edit them and write and give them feedback and all that stuff. And then us putting forward ideas that we really love. So, I mean, it's, it's great. It's fantastic. I'm very, very glad that I'm a part of it, but yes, Jared's at is at and democracy on Twitter. Yeah, I'll have to check him out, and uh, I'll have to have a chat with him. And then, like I said, maybe uh, the four of us will set up a uh, paleo strategy going forward and kind of what that looks like. Um, we've been chatting for a while. I This was awesome, dude. I'm glad we got to catch up. Um, I'm glad that there's two people from uh, Nature on the Heights <laughs> repping the libertarian yeah, sphere, you know, make, making the rest of them plebs look good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so, 100%. Uh, we got to get them straight, too. Oh, dude, absolutely. Um, go ahead and plug your stuff, and we'll get rock and roll, man. Uh, yeah, um, I'm at T underscore Shiring, S-H-I-R-I-N-G, on Twitter. Uh, follow me on there. That's the only place I talk about politics everywhere else. Don't worry about it. Um, follow at The Hoppian on Twitter, I believe, is the, is the at. Got to check that real quick. Oh, you're good, man. You're good. Oh, yeah. It is at the Hoppian on Twitter and follow it on Instagram. Same thing. Um, and uh, yeah, we're going to be putting out a lot of content. And um, if you guys are going to any libertarian events in the future, hit me up. See if I'm going because I might be there. For sure. Awesome. Well, I think what you're doing is great because we definitely need to permeate ourselves in the culture and make people understand how important the culture is. Cause that's definitely somewhere where libertarians have sorely been lacking. Um, thanks for coming on the show, man. And I'm looking forward to us doing it again. Absolutely. hundred percent, man. Cool. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. 
If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.